News Network. From the world's bastion of freedom come new levels of repression, suppression, and silencing of true speech driven by a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? I don't think so. So how does the truth avoid being a casualty? It finds an ally. The Truth News Network. And your conductor on this underground railroad is Dan Newman. Takes a conductor to get us to the right place at the right time. Hello, everybody. I'm going to do my best today at TNN Live, a production of Truth News Net, truthnewsnet.org. We want to thank you for joining us every day. Really important things happening in the world around you. You cannot dismiss them. None of us can. We can't just act like they're not existing because it's horrible over there in Asia, Afghanistan. We've got a big show for you today. We obviously are going to peel back some of the uh, layers of the onion regarding the Biden administration, its debacle, its crisis over in Afghanistan. Do you know we have two Biden-initiated humanitarian crises right now working simultaneously in different parts of the world? Of course, there's the one that has been a crisis since even before he took the oath of office. I'm talking about the uh, southern border that is not our southern border. It's just a place in South Texas and South New Mexico and Southern Arizona and Southern California where illegals have to just cross over into our nation. Oh, there's no crisis there. They said that for weeks and weeks and weeks and even months. There's no crisis at the southern border. Think about, put that in context to what's going on in Afghanistan. Nobody knows what's going on in Afghanistan. We can't get the truth out of this administration. Isn't it odd that every day we have press briefings from the White House, we have Pentagon briefings from the Pentagon, and of course we have Joe Biden from the White House, and everybody's telling different stories. People that work in the same administration that are looking into the same issues in their departments regarding everything to do with Afghanistan. And the president gets up. He'll say something. One of the Pentagon officials will get up, the generals or admirals, and they'll say something exactly opposite of the president. Then the Secretary of State Blinken, Antony Blinken, and his mama didn't like him when she left the H out of his first name. (laughs) It should be Anthony. It's Antony. Anthony, Anthony Blinken, he says something totally different, and they all say, listen to me, I've got the facts. My name is Joe Biden. My name is Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. My name is Jen Psaki. I'm the go-to press guru for this administration. And if we don't say it, it means it's unimportant. And if you don't like what we say about anything, just shut up and sit down and listen because we're in charge. It's that insane right now. I hope you're having a good week. You're halfway to the weekend. What do we have in the show today? We're going to break down a bunch of COVID-19 information. Uh, By the way, just so you'll know, all day yesterday we heard the Pfizer vaccination, FDA full approval. It's no longer an emergency use authorization only COVID-19 vaccination, international news, saying it over and over and over again. Guess what? It's a lie. It was not approved by the FDA. 
How does this stuff slip by the mainstream media? A little simple thing, something that we do here. We go find things. We go look up documentation. We get information. We hear a lot of things, but our commitment to you has been for three years now. We do not put anything, we don't publish anything on the website. We don't talk about anything at TNN Live unless we vetted it and we know it's factual. So what did we do? Simple little thing. We went to the FDA's website and we downloaded that announcement that they made. I won't get into the details because we've got a very important first hour this morning. Colonel Earl Tarnges, Air Force, retired, is going to join us at the quarter hour about 9.15. I'll tell you more about Earl Tonjes, Colonel Tonjes, when he comes aboard, but uh, let me tell you, he's got an inside look into the Air Force. He flew 150 combat missions in Vietnam. He was part of the strategic planning groups for the Air Force for both Iraq wars. He kind of knows what's going on, and just to kind of ice the cake, He was the Barksdale Air Force Base commander when he retired. Isn't it neat to have somebody that you know that really knows some inside stuff? I know he's no longer connected to the everyday back and forth with the Air Force, but he understands the mechanics of operating the Air Force. He was a navigator on the B-52 bombers in Vietnam. Think about 150 combat missions. He's going to be here at the quarter hour. Later this week, Roger Stone. We we are waiting for his um, scheduler to give us the exact date. Obviously, we're kind of down to the cutting. Thursday and Friday are the only two days left. Roger Stone, Donald Trump's friend that was actually crucified, virtually, not literally, by Robert Mueller in the fake Russia collusion probe. Uh, he, like Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, who you've heard on this show before, They pretty much lost everything because of partisan political attacks on people for no other reason other than to try to drive Donald Trump off the face of the planet. So before Colonel Tonjes comes here, let me tell you just how bad this is getting. You remember the other day on the show, I told you that uh, we need to start looking over our shoulders because Big Brother is coming. George Orwell's 1984, folks, it didn't quite make it, the predictions that are in the book, before 1984, but they are all over 2021, as is the book of Revelation. If you've never read Revelation, I think it's 22 chapters, 21, 22 chapters, not long, but if you want to see the picture of what you're living out right now today in your world, predicted a couple of thousand years ago, you need to go take a look. Get the... Not the new international version, but uh, the American standard version of the Bible and read Revelation between now and the weekend. I mean, it's like a, it's like a full-blown movie, and it's so similar to what we're facing here today. Um, in that regard, we told you that we're about to start seeing some real ugly things happen in Afghanistan. The Taliban, folks... They cannot be negotiated with. Yet, this White House, this administration, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, even the CIA director, they're negotiating with the leaders of the Taliban who are bloodthirsty haters 
They despise anything and everything that has to do with the great Satan. Well, who's a great Satan? What's that? It's the United States of America. That's what we are to the Islamic terrorists in every part of the world, especially the, the, the Taliban. One of my best friends, who is the executive of a, of a massive medical company across the United States, just sent me a video right before we went live. I knew this was going to happen, folks, and I won't be able to share this video because of its contents. It happened in the outskirts of Kabul yesterday. Eight Afghani men who cooperated with the United States in the roles of interpreters, um, of guides, of people working with our intelligence agencies through the last 20 years, some of them 20 years of doing that, they are pictured in this video on their knees, eight men. Standing behind each one is a Taliban terrorist. And one by one, they were shot in the back of the heads multiple times in their body as their bodies fell forward with dozens of Afghani terrorists standing around. And when the eighth one fell to the ground, a whole group of Taliban fighters gathered around them shooting hundreds of automatic bullets out of, guess what, our M4, Joe Biden hate M4 automatic weapons into the bodies of those dead Afghanis. And Joe Biden, last night, we're not extending the August 31st deadline. We had two members of Congress sneak in Kabul to the airport yesterday, one Democrat and one Republican. And um, I'll tell you who they are, Representative Seth Moulton, Democrat of Massachusetts, Peter Mayer, Republican of Michigan. They made a secret visit, and they learned that evacuations are impossible to be completed by Biden's August 31 deadline. So they did a joint statement. As members of Congress, it said, We have a duty to provide oversight on the executive branch. There's no place in the world right now where oversight matters more. We conducted our visit in secret, speaking about it only after we left and were in the air to minimize the risk and disruption to the people on the ground and because we were there to gather information, not to grandstand. We left on a plane with empty seats, seated in crew-only seats to ensure that nobody who needed a seat would lose one because of us. And they continued, listen, folks, Washington should be ashamed, they said, of the position we put our service members in. But they represent the best in America. These men and women have been running ragged and are still running strong. Their empathy and dedication to duty are truly inspiring. The acts of heroism and selflessness we witnessed make Americans proud. And then after they talked with commanders that were present on the ground in Kabul, Moulton and Mayer were convinced the evacuation of Afghanistan started much too late, could not possibly get finished by August 31, and not even by September 11th. They said this, We came into this visit wanting, like most veterans, to push the president to extend the August 31st deadline. After talking with commanders on the ground and seeing the situation here, it's obvious that because we started the evacuation so late, 
that no matter what we do, we won't get everyone out on time, even by September 11th. Sadly and frustratingly, getting our people out depends on maintaining the current bizarre relationship between the Biden administration and the Taliban. In the coming days, they said, we'll have more to share with our colleagues and the American people about what we learned. But after meeting with Marines, soldiers, and dedicated State Department officials on the ground, we want the world to know first and foremost that we have never been prouder to be Americans. According to John Hudson of the Washington Post, and I love this, Pentagon officials are furious with Bolton and Mayer for making the surprise trip to Afghanistan, denouncing it as performative at best and reckless at worst. Pentagon said it cannot be overstated how angry Pentagon and State Department officials are at Representative Moulton and Representative Peter Mayer for flying to Afghanistan in the middle of an evacuation. It's a moronic, it's as moronic as it is selfish. They're taking seats away from Americans. And you heard what they told us they said regarding the flight that they went over on to make sure nobody lost a seat. And still the Washington Post goes after them and tells us how evil they are because they gave a rip and they decided to get on a plane and go find the truth and tell the truth to the American people because we are not getting the truth from the Pentagon nor from the White House. We're going to take a short first break, and when we come back, you're going to meet Colonel Earl Tonjes, retired Air Force, former Barksdale Air Force Base commander, the home of the B-52 bombers. He was a navigator on one and flew 150 combat missions. He's up next at TNN Live. Sit tight. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. At Target, our first priority is the health of you, your families, and our team members. That's why we now require guests to wear a mask or face covering and continue to provide masks and gloves to protect our team members. Every day, we deep clean our stores and wipe down carts and baskets after every use. And you can always count on easy, contactless shopping options like drive-up and same-day delivery. We believe in always taking care, and we'll always do that for you. Learn more at Target.com slash a bullseye view. With Ford Pass, rewards are just a tap away. Whether it's using rewards points toward things like complimentary maintenance or for vehicle accessories. And with Ford Pass, a tap can also get you 24-7 roadside assistance and lock your vehicle. Only Ford Pass puts all this in the palm of your hand. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. 
it's hump day on TNN Live. And joining us now from uh, just around the corner from me in Bossier City, Louisiana, is retired Colonel, Air Force Colonel Earl Tondas. Good morning, Colonel. How are you? Good morning, Dan. I'm happy to be with you this morning. Hello well, to the audience. Let me tell these people a little bit about you before we get started. Earl and I are good friends. We've had a relationship for a long time. Um, he was a combat veteran in Vietnam. He was a navigator on B-52s, flew 150 combat missions there. In both of the Iraq wars, he was a strategy uh, manager planning the Air Force operations in both of those skirmishes. He never flew any sorties in that uh, particular war. But um, I met him when he was just retiring from the Air Force, and he retired as colonel and uh, the base commander of Barksdale Air Force Base. So, Earl, I hope I got it right. There's much, much, much more. Uh, Let me just tell you, folks, our personal relationship. Uh, We became friends after he retired from the Air Force, and I had started my company, my medical billing company, and I swore if I ever got to a place where I could afford to have a guy this this brilliant, so, so big a strategist, so well thought of and such a great man of God, I wanted to have him in my company. Fortunately for us, we were able to bring Earl aboard as our chief administrative officer where he worked worked side by side with me for, gosh, I don't even remember how many years it was, a long time, and then he decided to really retire. So we go way back, but today, Earl, I know you. And I know that you're a little bit concerned about what's happening over in Afghanistan. And from the Air Force perspective, and I know things are different now than the days of Vietnam and the days of Iraq, but the military is the military, and it's got to be upsetting to you to see what's happening. Yes, it is. The the conduct of the administration has created a real problem in the military. There's too much... uh, of a uh, political aspect now to the Secretary of Defense, even the Joint Chiefs of Staff, that's something that we never had back in the uh, in the day when I was in, and it was something that we avoided is to be political the entire time that I was in the service and before and after for a while. So it's really um, disappointing to see this thing going on in Afghanistan. It's uh, it brings back a little bit of memory of the end of the Vietnam War, which, uh, in essence, it took our country oh, almost 15 or 20 years to uh, come back in prominence as a leader of the world. And uh, this Afghanistan situation has, is going to have the same impact. We're, uh, we're not going to be thought of as the uh, country that can help and can take care of enemies when they need to be taken care of. And it's, it's really disheartening. Well, um, I know there are a lot of differences. Um, but you know, I wasn't, I was, I was, uh, I was in high school when the Vietnam war started. And of course there was conscription back then people were getting drafted and we had the lottery mm-hmm. and I got my number and fortunately it never came up, uh, before the withdrawal. <laughs> um, but things 
here in the United States were at that time very politically uh, charged. There were most everybody did not like the war just because probably it was never declared a war. And we saw a bunch of our young men and women being called into service and going over there fighting a war with somebody we didn't know really who they were. They were actually the Chinese and um, North Vietnamese rebels. Um, But things are a little bit different now in the way of getting information. We couldn't see firsthand back in the Vietnam War, Earl, when you were flying these missions. We couldn't see on a day-to-day basis what was going on. In the military, let me ask you this, from from the military perspective, was there the chaos in leadership in the military back then like we're seeing now play out in front of our eyes every day from the White House, from the Pentagon, and of course from over there? Was it the same? Well, the the only thing I recall is that the military was not allowed to persecute the war as they wanted to. We had... uh, rules of engagement that was probably about three inches thick on which you could and could not do. And in fact, even targets were being picked by President Johnson in the White House. And, uh, you know, the military people didn't have an opportunity to really do what they wanted to do to win that war. Boy, that sounds eerily familiar. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The Pentagon has changed quite a bit. Like you said, going into this, the military wasn't purposely stayed away from politics and just concentrated on defending the nation. Why do you think these these generals and admirals, I think I saw the other day, there are 700, more than 700 generals and admirals in the military. Why do you think more and more we're seeing them head out and push forward towards becoming political? It used to be, I know, when you retired, there were some people that got, you know, after military jobs, in the Pentagon and PR stuff and that kind of thing. and it, But it was rare. It seems like every big shot in the military today is already political. What's going on with that? Well, I think uh, it's, it's a question of leadership, poor leadership. We don't have a commander-in-chief who's a leader, and we have some uh, people in the Joint Chiefs of Staff that are not good leaders, including the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. It's very sad. Wow. It really is sad. And, uh, you know, who's paying the price of the people in Afghanistan right now? I don't know if you were exactly. listening in before we went live, but a close friend of mine, Doug Battersher, he actually lived here for a number of years, about 30 years ago. I don't know if you knew him. Um, yeah. He, uh, he sent me a video this morning that just shocked me five minutes before we went live. It's a video of eight Afghani men who helped the United States in various ways. They're on their knees on the ground somewhere in Kabul, Afghanistan, with Taliban fighters standing behind them, and one at a time they shot them all in the back of the head, killed them all. That's the kind of thing that obviously with 24-7 news, internet, satellite, all that kind of stuff, they're going, we're going to see that more and more and more about this mess that's playing out over there. And they are doing nothing but just rubbing all of this in the faces of, of course, our president and uh, those admirals and generals that we're talking about it, but in our faces, Earl, this is shocking to me. I don't, I've, I've never thought I'd see this in my lifetime. 
Well, you know, it's going to uh, become worse if uh, they don't do something, if uh, the administration doesn't do something to uh, be able to get these people out safely. Uh, those that are left behind, including Americans, are going to be killed. That's the way the Taliban operates. And uh, they don't care how many people they kill. They kill their own people, and they don't mind. So right. we're, we're going to have a problem. Let me ask you a question. On a what-if basis, and I'm not asking you to denigrate anything that anybody's doing in the military, but the leaders that were in leadership when you were in the, uh, the military, specifically during the two Iraq wars, did they operate similar to this and we just didn't know it? No, I don't believe so. Uh, we, you know, the people that were the leaders uh, in the in the war uh, were outstanding generals, and uh, they, I think, did a good job of uh, persecuting that war. They uh, they had a plan. They went by the plan. Uh, they, in fact, saved tons and tons of lives by going in and taking the taking the country essentially eventually and it was uh it was a struggle but uh the the big thing is they had a plan in the instance of afghanistan biden administration had no plan to get these people out they sat for three months as uh these things transpired didn't do anything to get people out they should have had a plan to get them out every day during that three-month period. And now here we are facing the 20th or 31st of August, and they're not out, and they're probably not going to get out. As a matter of fact, uh, President Biden said last night that there'll probably be some people left behind. That's, that's something that we've never, ever wanted to happen or allowed to happen. Later in the show, within the next 30 minutes, we're going to, um, we're going to hear from an American citizen Who's, he and his family are stranded over there. They cannot get out, and he's telling the entire story of what they've been through. Also, we're going to hear from one of those Afghan people that cooperated with us, and uh, he's been trying to get out, and they're, mm-hmm. not, they're not opening doors. The Biden administration is not opening doors for those people, and they know what's coming their way, and yet there they are with no options. They can't leave yes. the country. Taliban won't even let them out. Now, they're not letting any of the Afghani people get on these planes and be flown out, even those that the Americans want to help now. Right. I, I think we're going to have to have force in there to be able to do it. Uh, I really believe we're going to have to put some troops in there, confront the Taliban, and uh, you know get those people out. That's the only way we're going to get them out because they're not going to allow them otherwise. Do you think our military leaders are up to that if they got the green light from the White House? Well, I think they could. Uh, I mean, there's enough smart people even uh, below the the heads of the services that are very good strategists. They could go in there and do it, and we've got tremendous special forces, and uh, we could get them out of there. Let me just go ahead. lives will be lost. You know, yeah. lives will be lost if you do that, but, uh, you know, it's got to be done. If we don't, we're looking at wholesale slaughter. It'll be lives, but they'll be piling bodies up of Afghans oh, yes. and yes. of Americans. And we'll never get any truthful answers about all this after the fact. You know that. 
no, there won't be any good investigation. Even though, you know, the investigation isn't going to do any good, we know what's happened. And uh, we know where the the problems are, where they lie. And uh, I was watching uh, Mark Levin, I believe it was, a few nights ago, and he said uh, that Trump, or uh, Trump, that Biden needs to be impeached. And uh, Lindsey Graham said the same thing. You know, look at our southern border. You know, they got that wide open. And uh, now they're giving uh, these Afghanis that need to get out of trouble coming into our country. And uh, to pile one horror on top of another, one crisis on top of another, the Afghan refugees that have been flown in, we have no idea who they are. We don't know what they come from, what their backgrounds are. We don't know anything about their medical status, of course. And then we found out yesterday that one of the refugees that got out of Kabul and went to Qatar, when he got to Qatar, they started running as much as they could background and investigations on them. And they found out this guy's a terrorist and he was coming, wanting to come to the United States. Yeah. There's no management. There's no management. No. And we're going to be wide open for another 9-11 type attack from uh, ISIS and from uh, the Taliban. And I wouldn't be surprised if it would be much longer in the future that they're going to try to do it. And, you know, they can do it. They look at our leadership in this nation as feckless and ineffective. They're not afraid of Joe Biden. Nope. And, of course, with when, when, when you're adage for what you do, you adopt living a lifestyle of a terrorist and kill the infidel, um, there's glory when you go down. When that's your perspective, they don't, they don't fear death. No. And, um, and so when you, when you get into a gunfight with a guy that doesn't mind getting shot while he's shooting at you, he's usually going to have the upper hand. And in this case, even though we may be stronger, we ha- we may have more bullets, we may have more equipment, um, they're in it for the long haul. There's no question yeah. about it. They've been doing this for, what, a couple of thousand years? Yeah, you know, the uh, radical Islam is, uh, is unbelievable what they do and what they believe. It's incredible. We know the end of the story, Colonel. Um, mm, yes, th- we do. There's a God that's got all of us in his hands and is taking care of us. We're just going to have to continue to pray for all those innocents over there that are already getting slaughtered and uh, that God will somehow protect them going forward so yeah. that we just don't. Yeah. This, this if, if it ends up happening the way it is, it looks like it is going to continue. This is going to be the worst travesty in foreign policy and in our military that we've ever seen. Yeah, that's horrible. Colonel? It absolutely is horrible. Colonel, I want to thank you so much. Thank you for your service. Thank you so much for what you are doing now being a part of this community and uh, you've been through some health issues we keep you in our prayers and of course your kids are like our kids and and we we keep up with them you're a great man and it's an honor to be your friend thank you i appreciate it and i'm glad to see you doing this work uh, to inform people of exactly what's happening in the country and the world colonel earl tonjas thanks for being here and please give my best to mary lou Will do. Have Have a great great day. You too. Colonel Earl Tonjas, 
retired Air Force, Barksdale Air Force Base commander. You heard it from somebody that's been there, folks. He's non-political, apolitical. He doesn't have a dog in the hunt other than the same one you and I have. He's an American. He wants America to succeed. He wants us to continue to be what we've always been in our lifetimes known as the greatest country on the planet and in world history. Breaking news coming out of Afghanistan this morning. Another short break. When we come back, we're going to go right to that American. Even though Jen Psaki said it was an insult to stay anybody, any American is stranded in Afghanistan, you'll hear from the guy in just a moment that he, his wife, and his child are stranded in Afghanistan and are looking down the barrel of a Taliban gun. They have no confidence they're going to get out. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. You get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans as the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Now for the legal something. Not available in every state. Only available with select farmers branded policy subject to terms and conditions underwritten by Farmers Truck or Fire Insurance Exchanges or Affiliate. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy. A wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Yeah, yeah we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Before we move on, let me point you to truthnewsnet.org, our front page story today, penned by Kelly Nelson, one of our great partners and friends here at Truth News Network. She is a political, a conservative political pundit. She's connected to everybody in politics. She opened many doors for us here. She's the reason Lieutenant General Michael Flynn joined us on a show. Also, Roger Stone that's coming on with us. And folks, she is one of those people that says exactly what it really is. If you've not read her stories that we publish, you need to go back and look at them because she includes not just her opinions, but gives us ties, links to specific articles information that we can go back to and verify the things that she's saying. The story today, your papers, please, 
is only the beginning. And you think about that in context. You know exactly what that's about. I remember back at the fall of the Soviet Union for the next 25 or 30 years, a popular thing in the United States were movies that covered all of the horrors that were perpetrated by the communists. Remember East Berlin and West Berlin, the Berlin Wall right down the middle, and people that were slipping from one side of the wall to the other trying to infiltrate their opponents, their military and political opponents, and people were killed. You had spies and all that kind of stuff. Tom Hanks did a a very famous movie. I forget the title of it, but uh, we used to do that, and we would think, boy, things were bad back then, really bad. (laughs) Folks, wake up today and look around. We're living in that kind of world right now, and most of us don't even know it. And we don't know it because our administration and their talking heads, their quote-unquote messengers, the mainstream media, they don't give us factual information. They don't give us worldviews and just report the happenings and then trust us to make a determination on what those happenings really mean, specifically for us. They don't want us to think at all. They want us just to listen to them. And news is one thing. But taking a news item and turning it into your opinion and then maintaining while you do that because you're who you are and where you work, we've got to just listen and believe and accept everything that you say. It's a world without any reality awareness. It's that same old thing about the frog. You take a regular old frog out of your backyard, a frog, just any kind of frog, Take them in the kitchen, put a pan of water on the stove, put the frog in the water, and then turn the heat up. The frog will swim around in the water, but it doesn't get to boiling immediately. And he's content just swimming in the water before he knows it, before he can do anything about it. The water begins to boil and he can't get out and he dies, whereas if he was put in a pan of water that was boiling when he was put in, he'd jump right out. This political climate we find ourselves in, folks, it's pretty close to boiling if it's not boiling already, but it didn't get there overnight. It took decades. And what have most of we Americans done during those decades? Yeah, we every once in a while we see something that we just really don't gee and haw with. You know, I don't like that. I don't think that's that's a good thing. I don't think that's the truth. But we typically just have always stopped right there. We don't really dig in and analyze and find the facts for ourselves and then spread it around to people that we know and love. Meanwhile, the temperature on the water keeps being turned up hotter and hotter and hotter. And I think we're approaching the point where it's going to be too late for us to get out. That's a, that's a hard thing to realize and accept, but I believe, folks, I believe it's true. I think we're in a tough spot and we may not be able to get to the end of it. So I told you about the man and his family that are stuck. They are actually stranded Americans in Afghanistan. Listen to this conversation between this man, David Fox, has a wife and a son there, 
and ABC News. Joining us now is David Fox, who runs a marketing firm in Kabul. He and his Afghan wife and son have been desperately trying to get out of that nation, but they are still there tonight. David, in a series of Facebook posts, you detailed your harrowing experience trying to leave to get to the airport and then at the airport. Please tell us what happened. So I have a a friend in the U.S. State Department who was in touch with people who were inside the Kabul airport. And after many days of, you know, waiting and trying to decide what to do without any notice from the U.S. uh, government about evacuation flights, we decided on the advice of my State Department friend to make a run for the airport. He told us that if we were able to get to the gate, he would have a friend who could identify us and actually you know, bring us you know, into the airport itself. So I kind of um, organized a little convoy with an African-American friend of mine who also had a very, you know, a young um, son who was the same age as, as my little boy. And we went together in a group of nine people <clears throat> to the north gate of the Kabul airport. And when we got there, there was a crowd of several hundred, potentially even you know, over a thousand uh, individuals, I mean, Afghans who were desperate to get into the, into the airport. Um, you know, I'm a, you know, a bigger person, but I was you know, carrying a you know, three-year-old boy and we were just you know, pushing our way into the crowd. You know, I'm also taller, so I was you know, trying to, you know, make eye contact with the U.S. Marines who were at the gate. You know, at one point I was about 10 feet away, um, which, you know, felt like, you know, with the number of people that were there felt like, a, you know, a football stadium's length. And, but I was able to make contact with, with one of the Marines and I he was yelling, you know, American, American, Americans here. And he just, you know, I made eye contact with him and he just says, get out, get back now, get back now. And the Marines are just, you know, firing, you know, um, you know, their their weapons, you know, firing water shots in the air, uh, throwing flashbangs. And every time they would do a series of, you know, um, you know, volleys of, of warning shots, the whole crowd would surge back. And I was, you know, I was holding this little boy and just, you know, trying not to, you know, trying to keep my balance, trying not to fall down. And after 30 minutes of this, you know, me with my son and my my African-American friend, Tamana, with her son, you know, we realized that we just couldn't, you know, continue this. If we, you know, stayed there longer, you know, there was the chance that we would, um, you know, um, you know, pass out from exhaustion. Were you concerned at any point that the Taliban were going to fire on you? There are three gates that the Marines control on the north side of the airport. And the, the Marines don't have any working relationship with the Taliban. So, there's no one who can control the crowd on the outside. All the, the, the only way that the Marines can, can get the crowd to back up is by firing warning shots and throwing flashbangs into the crowd. Now, the Taliban are working with the British on what's known as the Camp Sullivan Gate, which is on the eastern side of the Kabul airport, the southeastern corner of the Kabul airport. And we had, like, I had my friend who was in the U.S. State Department who was, like, guiding me. We were exchanging like uh, exact locations using, um, you know, using WhatsApp. He knew exactly where I was. He, you know, he was giving me exact locations about where I should go. And when the the Northgate option did not work out for us because we aborted, we just, you know, after we aborted that attempt, my friend Tamana's contact, who was in the U.S. Department of Defense, 
said, okay, go to the Baron Hotel, which is by the Camp Sullivan Gate. The Taliban have, you know, a, a couple of layers of security. So they have an outer perimeter and then an inner perimeter. And then the, the place where, you know, these people can actually communicate with a British soldier. So on the outer perimeter, the Taliban are checking documents. We'd get to the gate and we'd show the Taliban our U.S. passports and they would just say, you know, oh, well, please, by all means, you know, come in. And then we would get in the outer gate. And then in the intermediate gate, you know, that's when, you know, there's like, you know, three kinds of Taliban. There was like Taliban management. So they were unarmed. There was Taliban, you know, fighters who were, actually had weapons and, you know, they would fire warning shots, you know, and, and like hit people with butt stocks, poke people with the, the barrel of the weapons. <clears throat> and there was, you know, Taliban enforcers. So the Taliban enforcers had these, you know, big rubber bands. I think they're called like motor fan belts. <clears throat> and, you know, I actually got whacked with, um, you know, with one of these like, you know, fan belts for not moving fast enough. The U.S. military have said they can't send troops out to get folks because they just don't, they don't have the resources to engage <clears throat> like that. So this harrowing description here, how, how are you going to get out of that country? So, you know, for me as a, as a father, I always have to risk, you know, I have to weigh the risks of these different options. So to me, the, the airport is very dangerous. The Marines do not have control of the northern gates. And for whatever reason, the British, you know, are, are, are not allowing Americans with, you know, American passport holders to just come in. The issue of the mob at the airport is because there's there's a, a belief in, in that's spreading, you know, in the Afghan society that if you can get into that airport by hook or by crook or just throwing elbows and pushing, then you will get on a free flight to America. And when you get to America, you will start processing your asylum case and then you will become a U.S. citizen. So they think it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity to to get to the United States, which which for most Afghans is just like an, an implausible dream. So. We are going to wait until these evacuation flights stop and then commercial flights resume. So you heard that last statement by David Fox. They tried. They did what the State Department person told them, State Department person they knew, a friend actually. They tried diligently to get into the airport, letting the soldiers, the Marines standing on top of these walls, that they let them know, we're Americans, we're Americans, showing them their passports and got nowhere. You heard his hopeful statement there. We're going to wait until the end of um, till the end of what the Americans are doing about getting these Afghanis out, and then we're going to we're going to go to the airport. Meanwhile, the Taliban—they're stopping everybody. He, you heard about the checkpoints? They've even tightened them up even more. Now they're seizing American passports. Just imagine, folks. If that was your little boy, your daughter married to this American or this American, David Fox, and they were calling you or you were watching ABC News and you saw them do this teleconference on the news and there's very little, if any, hope that they're going to get out. Put that in the context of what I told you, the video that I saw that was sent to me early this morning that shows those eight Afghani men on their knees being executed in Kabul. Now, let me just say this. If you're listening in and you would like to see that video, I, I almost hate to send it, but I will give it to you. It's in Facebook Messenger. And if you want that video, hit me up 
on Facebook Messenger and I'll immediately forward it to you. We probably need to spread it around so that people can really see and understand what Americans, like David Fox, his wife and son, are facing and we're less than a week away from the deadline. So there you heard from an American. What about an Afghan man? What about one of those men that have worked side by side with our intelligence communities and our military for 20 years or so, opening doors in Afghanistan that our military could never get open, cooperating, putting themselves in harm's way, the ones where we put them on the payroll. They worked for us, literally worked for us. And we told them, if this thing ever ends, we're going to make sure you and your family are out of here, taken back to the United States. We're going to never leave you alone. You want to hear one of those guys? Listen to where this Afghani is in his thinking about the U.S. and our president yesterday. And their parents are inside and their children are outside. Right here, they're standing right here. Amid the chaos, we were shown two children apparently left behind when their parents were among the few to be admitted here. Mr. Biden, you did this, you planned this, you made the deal with the Taliban. This is the consequences of it. This is the repercussions of it. Mr. Biden, it's your ill calculation. You were against Trump, now we are against you. Go to hell, Biden! We were against Trump. And now we're against you. You did this, Mr. Biden. You did this. And of course, Joe Biden, if it was me, if I was a president, first of all, I wouldn't have ever gotten into this situation. I would have had decisions made with the advice of the greatest minds around me. And I would have plenty of people in the room smarter than me. I can promise you that. But if I was in this situation, I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't get up in front of a television camera and say the kind of things that Joe Biden is saying. I'd be on my knees, first of all, praying for guidance, praying for these Afghans and these Americans over there, somehow that we can get them out. Folks, Biden gets up in front of a television camera and a microphone, and he talks like there's absolutely nothing going on. It's kind of like, well, what's happening in the world around us today? Am I wrong? You know I'm not wrong. Yesterday, I'm going to I'm going to let you hear a little bit of his statement in just a moment, but in context listen to this. With this going on in Afghanistan, with what's happening at our southern border, we've let a a few of those people that we don't have any idea who they are, where they come from, what they're bringing, are they cartel members or they sex or just Cuban traffickers, are they bringing drugs in? We don't have any idea. Are they bringing COVID in? We don't know. The Biden administration doesn't care. You put that in the context of Afghanistan. Joe gets up in front of a microphone yesterday, and he doesn't start talking about Afghanistan or the southern border. Here's what he says. Before I update you on the meeting that I had with leaders of the G7 earlier today, I want to say a word about the progress we're making on the Build Back Better agenda here at home. That's how he started his speech. And we kind of did a little um, potpourri, a little highlights audio, and pulled it together. Here's your president, folks, yesterday, talking to and assuring every American here and those behind enemy lines in Afghanistan that we're going to be fine. 
Ladies and gentlemen, President Joe Biden. So, folks, the, uh, we agreed that we will continue to close our close cooperation to get people out as efficiently and safely as possible. We are currently on a pace to finish by August the 31st. I'm also mindful of the increasing risks that I've been, I've been uh, briefed on and the need to factor those, re- those risks in. They're real and significant challenges that we also have to take into consideration. The longer we stay, starting with the acute and growing risk of an attack by a terrorist group known as ISIS-K, we already had some uh, gunfighting breakout. We run a serious risk of it breaking down as time goes on. And we are already working closely with refugee organizations to rebuild a system that was purposely destroyed by my predecessor. And to make sure that Afghanistan was not used again as a base from which to attack the United States or our allies. We achieved that objective. We'll get that done. And tomorrow, uh, I've asked uh, um, Secretary Blinken. This is an incredibly emotional time to give you an update and a detailed report on exactly how many Americans are still in Afghanistan, how many have gone out, and what our projection is. So thank you again. May God bless you, and may God protect our diplomats and all those in harm's way. Thank you. Can you guarantee every American will be out before the troops leave? Can you guarantee? It just faded into oblivion as he faded out of the uh, press briefing took no questions, didn't turn around and look at anybody. He made a statement. He didn't do a real good job. The uh, stutterer, the fumbler in chief, and folks, please understand this. The fundamental premise I have here in everybody at Truth News Network, we pray for our leaders every day. Even if we disagree with them politically on a personal level, we still pray for them. Why do we do that? Well, first of all, we want them to be successful on our behalf. But secondly, as Christians, we're told in the Bible to do that every day. Pray for those in authority over us. Jesus showed his disciples that's exactly what we should be doing, what they were doing back then. The disciples weren't too keen on it either, but they went ahead and did it because the Son of God told them that's what they're supposed to do. So in context of that, do you understand how unrealistic it is to have someone leading this nation that on a day-to-day basis we see and hear come out with all this garbage? He has absolutely no idea of what he is saying or if it's true. He's not writing any of that. Somebody's sticking it on a teleprompter or somebody's putting index cards in front of him. And even when he does take questions, they are specific questions that have been front-end loaded by his media folks and it's specific reporters. He's never doing another free-for-all where you just walk in a room and let anybody ask a question. Compare that with Donald Trump, the previous president. I don't care what you think about him on a personal level. On a professional level, he's obviously pretty successful. On a political level, folks, he's probably, if not, in the in, at the top of the heap of successful presidents in my lifetime, he's in the top two. Ronald Reagan would be up there with him. Looking at it substantively, do you remember how he would handle the media? 
Therefore, a couple of years, he participated in those daily White House briefings, Kayleigh McEnany reign. But then after the Mueller crud happened and got resolved, he decided, you know, there's no need to have these formal White House press briefings every day simply because all it was doing was we were making the far-left reporters that would get a spot on the front couple of rows, we were making them famous because they would stand up and attack the president over and over and over again. We're not going to do that. But he didn't stop talking to the media. But he did it in much greater form by managing it himself. Anytime he was leaving the White House, he would go outside and there always was and is a gaggle of reporters standing out there, and he would walk over to them where they're roped in and would answer their questions. Sometimes he would stay there doing that for 45 minutes to an hour at a time. He always made himself available. Joe Biden, not so much. We have no idea what's going on. And the fact that he would send out minions like Jen Psaki to do a press briefing and Secretary of of state Antony Blinken and Jake Sullivan, his national security advisor, all of those people look to me almost every time we see them on television like deer in a headlight. They are lost as geese. And we reported yesterday here from one inside source from the White House that all of his aides in the White House, everybody, including members of his cabinet, they're all afraid to tell Joe Biden that he's wrong on anything. So Joe gets up before cameras And he says what they tell him to say. And it's almost like, hey, we've got to put this stuff out there because we've got to tell the American people this. It's a sad situation when the people that you know and trust that you brought in to guide you, to advise you, that they don't even have permission to talk to you because they don't want to make you mad. They don't want you to fuss at them when they tell you the truth. Let me tell you how you how you manage things. And this means everything, organizations, your family unit, business that you work in, civic groups that you're a part of, your church groups. Here's what you do. You pick a leader, somebody if that doesn't do anything else but coordinate everything. You pick somebody to do that, to schedule and put some kind of structure in it. If you're a real manager in a, in a company, I think we've all worked in situations or we've known people that are managers, but just because they have that as their title, just because they have a title of president of the United States, doesn't mean they know everything, but it doesn't mean that they have to know everything. Great managers, they recognize from the beginning they don't know everything. It's impossible. So what do they do? They go out and they build a cluster around them of people that are specialists that know a lot of things that these guys that own and operate these companies don't know. They're not intimidated by that. They bring them in to bring new ideas, new ways of doing things, new different styles of management. And they empower them. They give them specific tasks that they're going to be responsible over, and then they always hold them accountable. A successful manager is one who brings everybody together that's a part of making a process work. That is not, in any way, a definition of Joe Biden. And I don't want to diminish him. He is the president of the United States. But stuff like what I'm going to tell you about right now, 
is going on. Have you heard of the Barnabas Fund? The Barnabas Fund is a not-for-profit that monitors Christian persecution around the world. And yesterday, they did something they normally don't do. They put out a statement saying Christians remaining in Afghanistan face great danger following the Taliban takeover. Afghan Christians, just put this in context. Christians in Afghanistan, almost all of whom are converts from Islam or the children of converts, are very likely to be killed if caught by the Taliban, which applies Islamic Sharia law, and we published a synopsis here last week of what those tenets of Sharia law are and what they mean to anybody that lives in the nation underneath those. Although the school of Sharia, which predominates in Afghanistan, specifies death only for adult male apostates from Islam, apostates from Islam are people that have left the faith, the Taliban's track record of an ultra-strict interpretation of Sharia means it is very likely they're going to kill every apostate, both men and women, and probably the children too. Even before the Taliban takeover, Christians were considered traitors in Afghanistan. 99% Muslim, that's what Afghanistan is with some 90% Sunni and the other 9.7% Shia. And because of this, the 2021 World Watch List that's compiled by Open Doors designated Afghanistan the second most dangerous country in the world for Christians to live. What's number one? North Korea. Afghanistan's right behind. The United Nations, not one of my favorite entities on planet Earth, But anyway, they are what they are. They documented 8,820 civilian casualties in Afghanistan in 2020. That included 3,035 deaths and some of the most brutal attacks targeting religious minorities. Anti-government, non-state actors, including the Taliban and the local branch of the ISIS, you heard them reference that as ISIS-K, they got the blame for the violence Jihad has claimed responsibility for a bunch of the deadliest attacks. So as a point of reference, the UN reported the Taliban were responsible for 45% of civilian casualties. The Taliban. According to the Barnabas Fund, Christians who want to get out of Afghanistan following this uprising are going to face a really tough ordeal. Getting to the airport means negotiating at many Taliban checkpoints each one literally a life-or-death issue for Christians. The process of getting to the airport involves mingling with thousands of Muslim Afghans also trying to flee the country by air. And of course, they too. They too understand. August 31, it isn't going to happen by then. So what's going to happen to those Christians? Any Christians still waiting at the airport today or running the risk of being exposed as the Taliban takes control of the airport once the American troops are withdrawn. And of course, Joe Biden told us yesterday they've already begun the military withdrawal just so they can be completely out August 31st. Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, made it very clear. We can't do anything over there now unless the Taliban approves it. Can you believe that? Can you believe that 
our leaders are actually letting a terrorist organization tell us what we can and cannot do. And so in the shadow of all of this, politics still keeps going on. Oh my gosh, we got to have politics. We can't run our nation without politics. Yesterday, the Democrat National Committee, the DNC, they issued a press release praising Joe Biden for his actions in Afghanistan, noting that tens of thousands had been evacuated in recent days without any reported U.S. casualties. And they didn't say this, but I'll add this to the sentence. No reported U.S. casualties yet. Despite initial doubts over Biden's leadership and ability to evacuate 50,000 people from Afghanistan in two weeks, the Democrat National Committee is saying, Joe, you the man. CNN's Kate Sullivan, CNN's at Clarissa Ward in Kabul. I'm sitting here for 12 hours in the airport, eight hours on the airfield. I haven't seen a single U.S. plane take off. How on earth? Are you going to evacuate 50,000 people in the next two weeks? It isn't going to happen. Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat. In fact, it didn't take two weeks to evacuate 50,000. It took 10 days. Way to go, Joe. Lots of work still to do, but it might be time for a bit of reassessment by the media of this operation given the actual results. John Harwood Biden national security officials last week set goals of evacuating five to 9,000 per day from Afghanistan. This morning, White House says 21,600 were flown out of Kabul in the last 24 hours, 12,700 on U.S. military flights, 8,900 on Allied coalition flights. Total evacuees in the last 10 days, 58,700. They won't give us... They won't tell us the exact numbers of how many Americans number among those 60,000 evacuees. But people on the inside tell us of the 60,000, we're going to be lucky if 5,000 are Americans. Yeah, he's doing a great job over there. And it doesn't get any better. Afghan allies, those people that worked with us in forests that are trapped over there, you know what they're doing? This is serious, folks. They've turned to prayers and unofficial channels is what they're called as the deadline nears. With the special immigrant visa applicants cut off from escape by now the Taliban, Retired Marine Corps Sergeant Ryan Rogers said yesterday, non-government organizations, they're called NGOs, have been working through unofficial channels to try to help. Everyone is hacked off about this even being necessary, he said. But if the president doesn't want to step up and lead, somebody else will. Last week, Rogers helped raise the alarm that his former U.S. contracted Afghan interpreter was trapped in Kabul, hiding from the Taliban, hoping to make it out of the country. He was still there as of yesterday. But Rogers said he's now in touch with NGO sources who heard of his plight and reached out to the retired Marine to try to coordinate an escape. 
you know, this is really value. Value. Uh, I, I mean, it's 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 valiant. It's helping people, helping a guy. I get that. But why are these kind of stories the exception over there? We've been told as many as 50,000 Americans are in Afghanistan. And, you know, next Tuesday's D-Day. I mean, literally, next Tuesday at midnight, and our midnight is, uh, it's like 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning over there. So they only have till about noon our time on Tuesday to be out, then the Taliban are going to take over and they're going to slaughter anybody who is left that is not Muslim and is not Afghani. I promise you. So why don't we do anything? Well, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, yesterday, he didn't deny that the U.S. has got to ask the Taliban for permission to get Americans out Blinken made it clear on Sunday the Taliban is calling the shots. And, of course, where did he go to say that? Ah, CBS has faced the nation. The host, Major Elliot Garrett, questioned Blinken over the disastrous handling of the Afghanistan and withdrawal, which led to the Taliban taking control of the country, declaring victory from Kabul on August 15th. They took it in 10 days. They took the country in 10 days. So the host asked Blinken, someone in our audience might listen to you, Mr. Secretary, and say, oh, so we have to ask the Taliban for permission for American citizens to leave? Is that true or not? Blinken's response, they are in control. That is the reality. That's the reality that we have to deal with. And Garrett followed up, how comfortable are you with that, Mr. Secretary? Blinken, as he always does, when he's asked a hard question, he will not answer it. But he says something, and he was asked, how comfortable are you with that? Here's what he said. What I'm focused on, what we're all focused on, is getting people out and making sure that we're doing everything possible to do that. And in this case, it is, I think, a requirement of the job to be in contact with the Taliban, which controls Kabul. Echoing other Democrats, Representative Tom Malinowski, a Democrat from New Jersey, a House Foreign Affairs Committee member, he noted that Blinken and top military officials have conceded that completing evacuations by the 31st isn't going to happen. I cannot believe this, folks. The greatest military in world history, the greatest country on planet Earth, we have some ragtag guys from the Middle East that are sworn enemies of the Americans, sworn enemies of Christians, anybody that's not Muslim, they're sworn to kill them if they can't convert them to Islam. They're the ones that our Secretary of State says that we have to negotiate with just to get our people out of the country. And they're using, at a minimum, $80 billion dollars of our own military equipment that the Biden administration and the folks at the Pentagon that run the military just walked away from. 50 aircraft, 50 aircraft we walked away from. 600,000 weapons we walked away from. Vehicles of all kinds, armored vehicles. There is no telling how much money they left, American taxpayer money, they left 
in the sand of Afghanistan when they tucked their tails and ran. I got to be honest with you. Today, I'm embarrassed to be an American. I'm embarrassed. And then to make it even worse, you know, what's happening to all these Afghans that we're flying out of the country, we're taking them by Qatar, Doha, in Qatar, and they're being processed there, and then they're being put on planes to come back to the U.S. The first plane loads of them came into Virginia. They're going to spread them around the United States just like they're doing from the folks coming through our southern border. I used to say folks coming through our southern border from Central America. We find out there are immigrants coming in that we have caught coming in from 90 different countries. The Biden administration is very consistent in this. They don't have a clue who it is coming across our southern border. They don't have a clue who we're flying in from Afghanistan. And they really don't give a rip. They're putting them on buses. They're putting them on chartered planes. They're flying them all over the United States, many in the middle of the nights, not telling local authorities when they're coming, who they're bringing, and what they should do when they drop them off in these cities. None of that is happening, and the mainstream media are covering it up. We had here in our city last week or week before last a group of Haitian immigrants were dropped off here at the bus station. The Biden administration Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, they hadn't called anybody here. We have groups, charitable groups, church groups that are tickled to death to take care of these people. But you know what? A phone call would sure have been a whole lot better and made it go a lot smoother for those Haitian refugees. Afghans evacuated are being tested for the coronavirus after they get to the United States. Hey, 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 they don't do that for the southern border refugees. John Kirby, a former admiral, he's the Pentagon spokesman. Boy, has he been in the bullseye lately. He confirmed yesterday thousands of Afghans arriving in the U.S. over the coming days and weeks will not be required to test negative for coronavirus before they get here. Instead, Afghans are being tested after they get here, so long as they're not showing symptoms. Kirby said this, as I understand it, medical personnel at the Hamid Karzai Airport in Kabul are conducting COVID screening for those who are symptomatic. And then as appropriate, depending on what the temporary safe haven, what the guidelines are at the temporary safe havens, additional screenings at some of those safe havens occur. And then upon arriving in the United States, all passengers are being tested. And then, you know, and then medical professionals make the proper decisions after that. Put that in the context of you being in a closed airplane cabin. You have no idea who's sitting next to you. You do understand that after a certain period of time, the air in these in these jets, these passenger jets, I don't care how big or small they are, it's recycled, it's filtered and recycled. So at some point in a flight from, let's say, uh, Um, Oman as one of the intermediary stops. Do you know how long it takes to fly from Oman to Washington, D.C. or New York? 16, 17 hours? Can you imagine how much of that air that people on that plane who you have no idea how many of are COVID positive, how much of their 
what they've breathed out, you're going to breathe in if you're sitting in the in the cabin with them. The Biden administration doesn't care, folks. We'll get into some COVID stuff coming up in the next few minutes. And there's a lot of new news out there, including the FDA approval of Pfizer's vaccine yesterday. It was not approved by the FDA. And the mainstream media and, and the Biden administration, they don't give a rip about the truth. Download the documents that supposedly approved it yourself from the FDA website. We'll get into that there a little bit later. The Biden administration, they either have no clue or they don't give a rip. Why would they continue to let now over a million come through our southern border and they don't test any of them? If any testing is done, it's being done by the states and the counties at our southern border states when they come in at their expense. Nobody's paying for these illegals that come across, get sick, and they're checked into the emergency rooms at these hospitals at our southern border. And the taxpayers of Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California are eating that. And even if they are getting subsidies from the federal government, folks, who pays for all this? You and I do. This insanity has got to stop. Let me listen. Uh, listen to what I'm about to tell you. I don't see. I honestly don't see it stopping anytime soon. So what does that mean? It means that we're being put in a compromised place medically. Our protection, we have no idea how many of these people are terrorists that are in a plan, part of a plan to come to the United States and attack America again. On, let's say, 9-11, that's just a few weeks away. The Biden folks don't give a rip, period. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Julie, hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on, I know you can hear me. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Leslie, guess what today is. It's hump day. Woo-hoo! Ronnie, how happy are folks who save hundreds of dollars switching to Geico? I'd say happier than a camel on Wednesday. Hump day! Get happy. Yeah. Get Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. <laughs> yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue. My heroes! M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold.
70 and 80 songs they just had a little a little uh catchy thing they all seem to have a hook that just makes you want to listen to the whole song over again doesn't it there is so much news going on in the world of COVID-19 Kelly Nelson who wrote our story front page story of today she called me last night and she said hey I just sent you an email you need to uh you need to post that at the bottom of our story and so it's about the Pfizer vaccine and her urgent bulletin to you, there have already been close to half a million people that have read it today. Emergency notification. This is from Kelly Nelson. I just watched Dr. Robert Malone, who is the creator, inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology. This is the guy that put it all together years ago. He was on a television show. Dr. Malone says that the Pfizer vaccine has not been approved by the FDA. The FDA issued two papers, one having to do with the Pfizer product, which is still classified as EUA, which means emergency use authorization only. Under the EUA, Pfizer is not liable for any injuries, deaths, heart problems, etc., that are associated with their vaccine. The second paper issued by the FDA has to do with the BioNTech vaccine that has not been manufactured or bottled yet. It is similar to the current Pfizer vaccine, and the BioNTech is the one that will be, quote-unquote, approved. And when it is approved, they will be liable for any injury, side effects, deaths, heart problems, blood clots, etc. This vaccine, the BioNTech, is not on the market yet and will not be available until it is actually manufactured and bottled. So, Dr. Malone says that once again, we are being lied to by a media that has not taken the time to read these two papers to see what they actually say. And the Biden White House is lying to us also. Dr. Malone suggests that everyone hold off on getting vaccinated until the actual approved but not yet available shot is on the market. Now, let me qualify what you just heard. This is from Kelly Nelson. When I'm asked all the time, what do you think about the vaccines? What do you think about them? I'll give people my opinion. I am not vaccinated. I have no plans to get vaccinated, at least at this point. But I don't give anybody advice on whether they should or shouldn't be vaccinated with one of the COVID-19 vaccines. And here's the reason why. I'm not a medical professional. Now, for 30 years, I've been in the medical industry, but not as a physician, not treating patients, not doing medical research. I honestly don't know. So I can only imagine if you came up to me and said, hey, Dan, what do you think about this? And I told you, oh, no, don't get it. Don't get it. Don't get it. Don't even think about doing it. It's full of this and it's full of that. And it's going to do this and going to do that. And then you said, based upon what I told you, I'm not going to be vaccinated and you get COVID and die. Your blood would be on my hands. At the same time, if you ask me, hey, Dan, what are you going to do? I'm not going to say, you know what? Maybe just go ahead and roll the dice and be safe and get the vaccine. And then you die. Your blood's on my hand. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say for all of you, 
whether you want to get it or don't want to get it, whether you plan to get it or you don't plan to get it, you know what you should do? You should go talk to your physician that knows you, knows your body, that you've been in a relationship with a professional medical person for a long time and ask them what they should do. Share with them any concerns that you have about it. And in consensus with your attorney, reach a conclusion that's best for you. I don't know any better way to point people somewhere because I sure as heck, I'm not qualified to know. I have made my choices so far based upon information that I've gotten from a host of other people. Many of you've heard here on the air, um, starting May 10th a year ago, Dr. Judy Mikovits. In that show, in an hour and 45 minutes, she told us almost verbatim all of the stuff that was going to happen during the Fauci run-up to our lockdowns and our pandemic. I mean, almost point by point, she told us and predicted that was going to happen. She is not for the vaccines, at least so far. And she worked side by side for more than a decade with Anthony Fauci back in the 90s when they were after a vaccination for HIV AIDS. So speaking of Fauci, what's he up to? Well, yesterday he was on CNN's Anderson Cooper 360. And that is in the wake of the announcement by the mainstream media of the FDA granting full approval for the COVID vaccine, Pfizer's version. And Fauci said this, there was some poll that showed it that about 30% of people who are not anti-vax, they were just waiting around to get what they felt was the real final stamp of approval, which we just got today with the Pfizer product. And those 30% are saying when that occurs, they will feel very, very comfortable about getting vaccinated. So right away, you're talking about 30%. I hope they come through with what the survey said. And as usual, Fauci had more to say. He doesn't shut up when he gets gets to talking. He added, but the other thing that you just mentioned now is they're going to give a lot of incentive and backing for a lot of institutions and organizations and places of employment to mandate. And that could be colleges, universities, the military organizations that employ a lot of people. Some of the big companies are going to say, if you want to work for us in person, you've got to be there. You've got to get vaccinated. Fauci said, I think that's a good thing. I know I respect people's freedoms, but <laughs> there's no such thing. You either do or you don't. Fauci, Mr. Flip-Flop, he had to have it both ways. I know I respect people's freedoms, but when you're talking about a public health crisis that we've been going through for well over a year and a half, the time has come. Enough is enough. We've just got to get people vaccinated. Fauci. He's got it going on, doesn't he? And companies around the nation, they're taking his guidance. CVS Health Corp. CVS stores. I was in one yesterday. They are mandating the chain is that certain employees, including nurses and pharmacists, get vaccinated. In a statement issued, the company announced vaccine requirements for both clinical and corporate employees. 
Specifically, it requires certain employees who interact with patients as well as corporate staff to be fully vaccinated by the end of October. New hires in the same roles as of September 15 must have received at least their first COVID-19 vaccine prior to their first day of employment. CVS's company president, Karen S. Lynch, acknowledged that the vast majority of employees have chosen to be vaccinated. She said the mandate is in direct response to the dramatic rise in cases among the unvaccinated. Uh, Let me just, let me just pass along. If you weren't on the show last week, the second time we had Dr. Fleming on, Dr. Fleming, who is, when you talk about getting FDA approval, anytime a new process, a procedure, medical procedure, new medicine is coming to the FDA for their consideration to give it a formal stamp of approval to be able to be marketed in the United States, they do what's called a peer review. And basically what that is, the FDA has a group of doctors, specialists in pretty much every field, And when a medicine or a procedure comes before the FDA to be considered for approval, they will send all of the science that this company has provided to the FDA out to a handpicked number of these people to do their peer review. Dr. Fleming is at the top of that list. The FDA includes him in almost everything that comes before them for consideration for approval. Dr. Fleming is dead set against mandating vaccines. And his reason for doing so, and he said it on the show, he was with us last week, I forget what day, go to um, uh, do this. The easiest way to find that show, all our shows go live right after the show is over at Spotify Podcast, also Apple Podcast. Go to Apple Podcast. If you've got an iTunes account, which we all have, you listen to iTunes songs, and you know you do. Um, go to your iTunes, pull up your iTunes app, and uh, if you if you have one of the latest versions of an iPhone, you've also got as a separate app, podcast, and that's the Apple Podcast. But anyway, go to iTunes in the search bar, click in Apple Podcast, and when it when that comes up in the search bar, put. TNN Live. It'll take you to our front page of all of our podcasts, every show. And starting at the top, the index goes backwards and just watch. There's a description of each show. You'll see the one. It was either last week or the week before that Dr. Fleming was on with. Listen to his segment in that show about what he said. We've been saying for a long time, And many other people from around the world, doctors especially, have been saying, this is not a medical problem issue. It is medical. It has very serious consequences for a lot of people, but it's nothing to the level that the political perspective has been made out to be. But they started telling us a year ago, the governments are going to mandate that everybody have it. So what are you going to do if you haven't gotten the vaccine? What are you going to do if they come and threaten you with something serious, some of your freedoms, your kids? What are you going to do? 
That's a great question. Let me tell you, I'll go back, tell you what you should do. Go to your doctor, your personal doctor. Have a conversation with your doctor who knows you. And sadly, folks, there are not many doctors across the nation that have been given any real scientific information and training on the pros and cons, the efficacy of any of these three vaccines that we're jabbing in people's arms now. You start at the top. FDA, EUA approval. Again, do you understand what that means? Emergency use acceptance. In other words, for emergency use only. And under FDA guidelines, that means only a doctor can prescribe this medicine for a patient. Only a doctor. Yet, every day for months, we see these circuses in these mall parking lots where they have these tents up and people in their cars, staying in their cars, driving up into these tents, and somebody who they don't know that doesn't know them comes over and gets them to fill out about three or four lines on a form, and then they give them a shot. We know for a fact so far 40,000 people have died because of reactions to the shots. Now, does that mean something? What it really means, folks, is these people didn't go to their doctors and get a real understanding of the pros and cons of getting this vaccine with a person, a male or a female doctor that knows them, that knows their bodies, that knows their medical history, and are the only people that have the authority or at least the prowess or the knowledge to tell each of us what we should and shouldn't do regarding these vaccinations. It's been turned totally political. And who's paying that price? All of these Americans that are getting it. Breakthrough infections. You remember when this all began? They tried to hide it for a period of time. How, how, how could somebody that's been vaccinated get COVID-19? They told us for over a year, hey, as soon as we get these vaccines at the market, get in line, get one. It's the only way you're not going to get COVID. You'll die if you don't get one. Well, then they said, don't get one, get two. And Dr. Fleming gave us the breakdown of what that's all about. Spike proteins in these vaccinations. What those are made to do, those force our immune systems to ramp up and take and build whatever within our bodies is necessary to fight this COVID-19 thing in our bodies. And so when they inject us, those spike proteins jump up really high and for a period of time, they work and work okay. But then they found out the natural immunity that comes from the vaccinations begins to downgrade day after day, week after week. And so you had to go get the second one, make those spike proteins go back up. And now they're telling us you're going to have to have a third one and you may have to have one every six months after that. Does that sound like medicine to you? Put that in the context of we're almost certain this COVID-19 was created as a bioweapon in the lab. Oh, you can't say that, Dan. That's a conspiracy theory. Our government, even the Biden administration, are saying it looks pretty likely like the Chinese created this as a bioweapon and it got away from them. 
There's so much about this that we just don't know. We don't know. Fauci, when he was on CNN yesterday with Anderson Cooper in that conversation, um, Cooper said, first I want to ask you about something you said earlier today. You said if the majority of Americans get vaccinated, we could start to get good control of this as we get back into the fall a year from now. Is that the best case scenario? What, what does control look like? And Fauci said this. No, Anderson, I have to apologize. When I listened to the tape, I meant to say the spring of 2022. So I did misspeak. In that conversation, the reporter was saying, when do I think we can get some control? If we can get through this winter and get the overwhelming majority of the 90 million people who have not been vaccinated, vaccinated, I hope we could start to get some good control in the spring of 2022. I didn't mean the fall. Oh my gosh, I misspoke. My bad. Cooper said, what does control, what does that mean? What does that look like to you? Fauci said, well, to me, that means you have either the overwhelming majority of the population vaccinated, those who have been infected will have and have cleared the virus, will have a degree of protection, and we're recommending that these people also get vaccinated. Folks, this guy is the guy. In everything he says, in everything he says, there's always question marks after he gets through speaking them. And in many, many cases, far more than I'm comfortable with, his quote-unquote facts turn out to be incorrect. How many people have died because of that? Has anybody asked him that question? How many people have died, Dr. Fauci, because of the stuff that you've told us to do and the stuff that you've told us under no conditions do? How many people have died because of your advice? Even if he were ever confronted with that by the mainstream media, and even if he would ever respond, he has no problem. He's not subject of anything. You know why? He's indemnified by the federal government. What does that mean? If somebody sues him for anything he says, the government's going to pay the tab, whatever that might be. He's indemnified. All of the folks in the FDA, the CDC, the National Institutes of Health, they all have that government indemnification. You and I, if Fauci got sued for a billion dollars and the court system awarded him a billion dollars, or he was found liable and had to pay a billion dollars in settlement, Fauci wouldn't pay it. We would, taxpayers. Did you hear what happened in Houston over the weekend? Rice University, last week they announced the first two weeks of this fall semester is going to be moved online. Why? Because of a high number of COVID-19 cases among students at U of H. But it now says the date of the decision was based upon was fraud. In an August 22nd, uh, August 22nd letter to the campus community, the vice president for administration said anomalies in the initial testing data prompted the university to retest dozens of students deemed positive for COVID, and all but one of those turned out to be negative. 
According to the letter, he stated the to ramp up its testing program on August 13th with three different test providers, and they conducted, conducted 4,500 tests over nine days with their initial results that showed 81 of those tested were positive. So this positivity rate's just 2%. That seems like very little, and although it's much lower than that of the city of Houston, this vice president at Rife said in a letter there was still concern concern enough that the university officials delayed the start of the in-person classes. For Rice University, a 2% rate would be significantly higher than our historical positivity rate of 0.24% over the last year when we ran about 150,000 tests. This unusual campus positivity rate prompted us to take quick action and assume a more cautionary posture until we could determine whether there was a significant risk of widespread infection. So when they started looking into it, they realized more than 90% of the positive infections came from a single test provider. And we told you they picked three companies, three different tests to give these tests. More than 90% of the positive ones came from a single test provider, and most of those cases involved people who reported no symptoms, or several had been fully vaccinated. It turns out the provider of that particular test had changed its testing protocol without letting University of Houston know. So when we retested about 90 people, Kirby said, 90 of those, 50 of those that uh, initially were positive, each of them was tested two more times on two different days by two different test providers. All but one came back negative. How many times, how much, how many tests that have been performed throughout this history of COVID-19 in the U.S., how many of them were false positives? How many do you think? I don't know, folks, but I can tell you a bunch evidently were false. Why do you think that, Dan? Remember, very quietly, the CDC announced last month the PCR test that they've uh, advocated and been forcing medical authorities, hospitals, clinics, doctor's offices, nursing homes to use to test for COVID-19. They said they're going to cancel their support of it this fall. I don't know why they're waiting to fall. Maybe they have a contract. Because the reason they're canceling them is because way, way, way too many false positive results are given because of the manipulation of the ingredients, what goes into these PCR tests. You didn't hear about that? Oh, my gosh. Fauci was out front telling the world about it. You didn't hear it? (laughs) Of course you didn't. Of course Fauci didn't. He was the one that pushed it from the very beginning. There were multiple opportunities for types of testing out. I have a good friend from Cincinnati that is part of a company that created and has been creating tests for specific types of viral infections for a number of years. And they immediately, they got all the numbers from the CDC and they started putting these tests out. But Fauci stepped in and he wanted that specific PCR test to be the one. 
that was being used universally and that the CDC supported. Once again, folks, politics. Politics and medicine, anytime you see or hear it, whatever they come up with, whatever they say is righteous, whatever they say is right, (laughs) turn and run away as fast as you can. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember the naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sunmade's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sunmade's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sunmade snacks. How to improve your dining room by The Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools? How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from homedepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. You know, something interesting, for those of you that don't don't know, hadn't been around a long time, we, uh, because this is a streaming live internet radio show, technically it's not radio because radio means broadcast, and we're not broadcasting, but we are online around the world. And um, in the software that we use to broadcast this, there is a page that it's got world maps on it, and it shows where every person that's tuning in, where they're located. Uh, You can really drill down not only the countries, but you can drill down, enlarge it, and see what cities they're in. And so during breaks sometimes, I like to look and see who's listening. Uh, From around the world this morning, we have a new listener that I don't remember seeing anybody in the Czech Republic at least recently, but we have a friend listening in right now in the Czech Republic. Whoever you are out there, I want to say thank you first. We have a lot of European folks that listen here. We even have people in Russia. A couple of years ago, uh, we got for subscribers to truthnewsnet.org, and people can log in as a subscriber with their email and their first and last name on the front page of the website, And we do that not because we have an email database that we send stuff out that we don't solicit, we don't sell anything, and we certainly don't give any of your emails to anybody else. 
But what it does, anytime a new story or some kind of audio file or video file goes live on the website, during the night you'll get an email that includes a link to whatever that is that's going live. Next day story, maybe something, an interview comes up with somebody that we post separately. And if you want to go to that story or that file, you can just click on the link and go right to it. So in registering people, some of these subscribers, a couple of years ago, we started noticing a bunch of them. The, 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 the volume of these just ramped up in a period of weeks, and we were getting 75, 80 a day. And they all had emails that ended in not .com or .net, but ended with .ru or .yandex. So I asked our IT director, and he said, those are Russian. So I got scared. Oh, my gosh. You know, this was this was at the end of the Trump administration, and we had just come through Russia, Russia, Russia. So I, I began to wonder and question, but I didn't know how to find out anything. So a couple of days later, I got an email inquiry about a story that was published from a girl, and her email address ended in .ru. So I answered the question that she sent in, and um, at the bottom, I gave a PS. And my PS was this. I explained, hey, we've been getting a lot of subscriptions from people that have emails that end like yours, .ru or .yandex. Do you have any idea what this is about? She immediately replied, and she said at that time she was a sophomore at the University of Moscow, and uh, their head of the International Political Department at Moscow University had chosen truthnewsnet.org to be a representation of the conservative political perspective of the United States and that our daily stories, and then when we started TNN Live, they were required and they had a test, not just in her class, the one she was in, but in every international political class in the whole section at Moscow University. So it's interesting, and, and this is why it's interesting, and not not patting ourselves on the back, not any way at all doing that. I'm saying there are a lot of people around the world that are very, very curious about the differences between politics in their nation and in our nation. And I'm going towards this when I bring this up to you. Those are people that look at us as being the greatest country on earth, at least previously. They may disagree with us politically, Let's be honest, most countries on earth do. But what they see is that, in the most part, our country is very successful. And so they want to watch and see and listen and learn. Great idea, huh? So they're checking in. Whoever you are in the Czech Republic, if you're still with us, drop me an email, if you would, and just give me your name. We're not going to subscribe you unless you want to be subscribed. I just want to say, hey, and I want to tell you right now, thanks for tuning in. All of you, just remember, everybody in the world doesn't think like we do. We're Yanks. We're Yankees. (laughs) We're those evil Americans to a lot of people, but there are a lot of people out there that would really like to be here living in our society, even though we're going through some really ragged times right now. Well, have you kept up with the debacle in California? Well, one of the debacles out there. Um, The Los Angeles Times, they're obviously every day weighing in on this recall election that's coming up next month. Governor Gavin Newsom, um, he's, he's been forced to go into a recall election. 
Well, the Los Angeles Times yesterday published an editorial that described the Republican candidate that's running against Newsom in this special election, Larry Elder. They described him. Listen to this. Now, he is an African-American man. You see him sometimes on Fox News as a contributor. But the L.A. Times described Larry Elder as the black face of white supremacy. And in a story, it argues that he is the least suitable to represent the black community in California and that his policies will be a failure. And a black woman wrote this editorial, Erica Smith. She said Larry Elder is disqualified as a candidate because of his conservative positions that contrast with those that current Governor Newsom has been implementing in California. Now, this is a newspaper person, Erica Smith. It doesn't matter what her skin color is, and it doesn't matter that she's a female, but it matters that she is a newspaper person, and she is personally disqualifying Larry Elder as a candidate because of his conservative positions. Hold on now. Hold on now. I thought we lived in the greatest nation on earth. I thought we had the First Amendment of the uh, Constitution that guaranteed everybody the right to speak their minds. Now, what Ms. Smith was really saying, or what it really meant, was her opinion, her personal opinion. In her mind, she has disqualified him as a candidate because his political positions are conservative opposite of hers. Of course, she never says, in my opinion, in this story. Here's one segment of it. She said, rising crime? It's because of this phony narrative that the police are engaging in systemic racism and cops are pulling back. That's Larry Elder responding to her. He said, when you reduce the possibility of a bad guy getting caught, getting convicted, and getting incarcerated, guess what? Crime goes up. So one of the arguments that uh, the campaign of to oust Gavin Newsom was precisely the increase in crime under the liberal policies of the Democrat Party district attorneys who simply stopped prosecuting criminals because prison doesn't reform them and instead reduced thefts under $1,000 to misdemeanors. But the LA Times focused primarily on elders' incompatibility as a black man to benefit the African-American community. Larry Elder, they say, goes out of his way to be at odds with the leadership in the black community and at odds with the thinking in the black community. In addition to stating that he has zero experience in elected office, clearly doesn't have the temperament for governance, Elder opposes every single public policy idea that's supported by black people to help black people. This shouldn't surprise you, but what shocks me is they actually came out and admitted it. Because admitting that, folks, is a stark explanation of how and what these people believe. And it's far, far, far from the truth. You can't measure a person, any person's political, racial perspective just by looking in from afar. You've got to get to know somebody. I think it's 
I think it's racist itself for somebody to point to someone like Larry Elder or anybody and call them racist and you don't even know them. I can tell you why it happens, why it happens so much. It's really easy to be a drive-by shooter where you don't have to get substantive with the allegations you make and you can just fire away. No substance. Just scream and holler really loud and somebody's going to believe what you say. Thanks to Colonel Tondas for joining us today. We're going to be back 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, every Monday through Friday, right here at TNN Live. Hey, get your arms wrapped around. Get a comfort level. You're going to be okay. Everything's going to work out. Have a great Wednesday. See you tomorrow at TNN Live. <laughs>